Last week, we uh, were in Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to pick up right where we left off uh, last week. So um, the lectionary actually has 21 and 22 in it, but uh, since we read that last week, since I, f- I figured last week, that's really small, sorry about that. Uh, it's also in your bulletin if you have It's larger print in your bulletin. So um, I really didn't think you could do last week's lectionary text without 21 and 22, so this week we're just going to pick it up in 23 with this really interesting parable. So last week Jesus teaches uh, the disciples about where two or more are gathered, and then they have this moment where, uh, (laughs) there you go, Uh, he has this moment where Peter's like, well, 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 how many times should I forgive my brother? Like, what are we talking, like seven? And Jesus is like, no, 70 times seven. And then we go right into this parable with this king. So let's, let's read this. The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of 10,000 talents. He couldn't pay up, so the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children, and goods, to be auctioned off at the slave market. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, Give me a chance, and I will pay it all back. Touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. The servant was... No sooner out of the room when he came up upon one of his fellow servants who owed him ten dollars, or one denarii. He seized him by the throat and demanded, pay up now. The poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged, and they brought a detailed report to the king. So the king summoned the man and said, You evil servant, I forgave you your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? The king was furious and put screws to the man um, until he paid back his entire debt. That's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. What an interesting story. Let's first maybe break this down so we see um, what's going on. You know, last week we talked about how forgiveness can't be calculated, right? Um, Chapter 18 starts out with uh, the disciples coming to Jesus, like, who's the greatest in the kingdom, right? Who's the best out of all of us? And and Jesus says, well, you, you need to take on the status of a child. In the first century, children had no status in society. So Jesus says, well, actually, you should be like the lowest status you could possibly think of. Be like a child. And then he tells this parable about the lost sheep, and we talked last week about how we are actually the lost sheep, right? One sheep goes astray, and the shepherd leaves 99. He leaves all of his sheep, all of his, I mean, everything that he owns, essentially, to go after one, which is just like an absurd idea, right? And so Jesus is just playing with their notions of what is acceptable in society, right? You don't want to be like the status of a child. Nobody would ever leave 99 sheep just to go find one missing sheep. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And then he tells the two or, where two or more are gathered, you know, how to reconcile with your brother and how many times do you forgive somebody. And we talked last week about how Jesus is just turning the tables as he usually does and says, you know what, forgiveness is not can't calculate it. It's not something that you can just measure like everything else in life. This is not 
you can't say, oh, I'm the greatest, and we're going to rank everybody, even though that's kind of what our society does. And then he tells this parable that also goes down to the same thing, that the world isn't what it appears to be. The, the kingdom of God works entirely differently. So we look at this parable, and it seems like kind of a strange story, but I think it's actually maybe stranger than what uh, it even sounds to be. Is I want to take a look at first this notion of 10,000 talents. And in verse 23, um, he says, you know, one servant was brought before the king, and he had run up a debt of 10,000 talents. Does anybody know how much 10,000 talents? You're laughing like you know the answer to this. You heard early. Okay, Don goes to church, like another church earlier, so he's cheating. It's like cheating on the test. It is, yeah, basically a billion billion. I would think it would be some, somewhere along the lines of like if, um, I don't know, like say an employee worked at Starbucks and the boss was like, all right, man, you owe me $10 billion. Um, that would, would be how absurd that that would be. Uh, the, I've heard it said that the entire province of Judea in the first century, what they had to, as the, their entire province pay to Rome uh, was something along the line of 600 talents in a year. So the, the notion of one person owing 10,000 talents is just like, it's just crazy. So, um, you know, so the, the, star, the boss at Starbucks, you know, comes up to the, his employee and he's like, man, you know, you owe me $10 billion. Um, and then he's like, right here, this is interesting. In 26, um, the servant says, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. It's very, uh, such a strange notion to, for him to think that he could still somehow pay this debt back. So there's a TV show on Netflix called Ozark. Has anybody heard of this? Do we, do we have a slide of Ozark? Anyway, Jason Bateman uh, in this show, uh, there he is, he's handcuffed. Um, Jason Bateman plays uh, this character who, um, without spoiling too much, uh, he finds himself uh, tied up as he is um, with a, an $8 million debt. And uh, a Mexican drug cartel kingpin comes to him, and uh, it's actually a co-workers of his who's run up this uh, debt of $8 million. And in order to spare his life and the life of his wife and kids, very similar to this, he has to come up with $8 million cash in a matter of two days, right? 48 hours, he needs to come up with $8 million cash. So it, it goes through this process of him trying to come up with how does one come across, you know, a duff few duffel bags of $8 million in cash in a couple of days um, in order to, to spare the life of his children. I think this is uh, in some ways really indicative to how um, the servant in this parable understands his debt, that he has to pay it. He has to pay it. And this is the way our society operates. If somebody says, Craig, you owe me money, the way our society works is Craig owes me money. If he, if he really owes me money and I'm threatening his life, then he needs to pay. And this is the, the reality that the servant is operating in, which I propose is completely counterculture to what the kingdom of God is and what Jesus is telling us about um, the way God operates in reality. So um, we like to measure things. Um, you know, there's a lot of statistics now about how, how much debt the average American has. We hear all the time from politicians, you know, how much debt uh, the average person carries around, credit cards, school loans. 
uh, it's something that we measure our, we had Equifax. Equifax, anybody hear this story uh, from a few weeks ago? Danny, your credit score is, it's gonna go down the drain. Because uh, maybe you saw this in the news, but Equifax, they let, like, it's what, 40% uh, of uh, Americans, uh, their, informi their, informi their information, their information might be, there's a, tech, there's a Texan coming out right there. Their information might be compromised. Anyway, so it's like 40% of Americans, uh, their financial information is maybe out there. It might be at risk, right? Um, and this is really interesting because it, it really proves the fact that this credit score that we all have, like, floating above our heads that you can't really see, you know, um, it means something in our society. Like, we, we enjoy measuring things, right? Like, we all have a credit score. That creeps me out. Like, that is it determines how good of a loan we can get if we want to buy a house or, you know, buy a car or whatever, you know. We have these proverbial numbers that uh, pr prove in our society how much we still owe and this and that and all this sort of stuff. Um, so this is how our society operates. And so I think it's hard for us to break out of this mode of, like, we owe this, we're due that, we need to do this, we're judged by this credit score, this whatever. Um, this is the way our society works, and in many ways, even though it's the first century and, and this is a, an ancient parable, this is still the mode of operation of the servant here, which is completely different than what the king is trying to communicate. So I was, um, I was in high school in Texas, and um, my senior year was really easy, and so I took a bunch of just like really easy classes. I blew off my senior year, and I took high school accounting. Um, Julie, do we have... Uh, the uh, picture of the ledger. So anyway, I took high school. In high school, I took uh, an accounting class. And um, I guess we don't have any high schoolers here. Um, but if there was any high schoolers here, I, I'm going to tell a funny story about how to um, get out of a, taking a test, which is throw your teacher a birthday party, even when it's not her birthday. So we would always do this. We had threw her like five birthday parties that one year, and we always got out of the high school accounting test. Um, but we have this notion of uh, you have debits on one side of a ledger, credits on the other side of a ledger. And what I think is fascinating about this parable in regards to high school accounting is that the king um, not only you know says that this guy's debt is free, but he he actually tears up the ledger. He he throws away the notion of even this is how we deal with accounts, right? Um, the employee at Starbucks thinks that he owes $10 billion, and um, the king isn't even concerned about that at all. Um, and I think it has to go back to a little bit of what we were talking about last week, that our capacity to forgive is solely based in our capacity to be forgiven. That that's really where this um, place comes from. And you can tell whenever the first servant leaves um, after the king dismisses him and says, your debt's forgiven, it says, you know, no sooner than he was out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants, and the message version says that he um, owed him $10, uh, which, is about, which is about right. It was an insignificant amount of debt, less than one day's wage for a, a normal laborer. And it's very obvious that the first servant had no capacity to be forgiven, right? He still was living under the delusion that he was going to somehow pay his $10 billion debt. And since that was the mode 
he was operating in a justice mindset, right? I, I can pay this back. I can do this. Blah, blah, blah. You know, this is important. I'm living in a different reality. That, then he, what does he do? He, dem- he still hasn't changed the way he's thinking about fundamental uh, reality, which is uh, if somebody, if Ryan owes me 10 bucks, he owes me 10 bucks. He needs to pay that now. And that's not, that's not the way of the kingdom of God. Our society is is really rooted on our um, desire to keep one another on each other's scorecards, whether it's financial or otherwise. Um, Ryan mentioned we had been talking about the Enneagram and uh, on Wednesday nights and, and reading this book uh, that I hope I hope you'll read with us this fall. And um, one one characteristic a, a, about a number, I think it's number two, is that. There's always this like mental scorecard. Maybe you can tell me if it's right. Where um, uh, a particular personality type uh, is kind of keeping a chart of accounts in their head. So if um, uh, you know Betty is sick and I take her uh, a meal in her illness, uh, there's kind of a part of me in the back of my mind that later, maybe even subconsciously, is expecting her in my time of need to do something for me. Um, and even if we're not aware all the time of our sort of personal or mental chart of accounts, but sometimes we we operate in this way, where we expect others to do this because we've also done that. Um, and Jesus in this parable is saying, I'm throwing it out the window. I'm throwing it all away. Like it, This is not important at all. This is not the way reality works. This is not the way we are to live in the kingdom of God. He's talking specifically to his disciples, so he's talking, you know, particularly to us, and he says, this is not the way I want you to live. Don't keep a chart of accounts. Throw it all away. You have been forgiven, so live out of that place of forgiveness. Our capacity to forgive is based in our capacity to understand that we, too, are forgiven and loved completely. Jesus is, is teaching us in this parable that there are no scorecards. There are no ledgers in the kingdom of heaven. There is no ledgers. There is no chart of accounts. And in the end, there's this, there's this little piece in the end um, where he, the king gets mad, right? The king gets mad at the servant for, for not being forgiven himself. Um, and I think it really goes to the point that only people that are excluded in the kingdom of God are the people that exclude themselves from, from really understanding that they too are, are forgiven. We, uh, we teach here all the time. Like if, you, if you've been around Mission Hills at all, you know that this is such an inclusive group. It's maybe the most inclusive community that I've ever come across, especially a Christian church community. It's so accepting. It's so inclusive. Um, and I really think deep down that that is what uh, the kingdom of God teaches. But there's always this kind of, there's always this turn and sometimes at the end of stories Jesus does have this bit about those that are excluded. But I always think it's, it's a personal choice for one to exclude themselves, right? This person is refusing to be forgiven and that's the only thing that is keeping him from living a forgiving life is that he has such a difficult time accepting the forgiveness and the, the accept, what we say all the time is grace is the acceptance that you are accepted. And he has trouble accepting that. 
he has trouble accepting the fact that he can't pay back $10 billion. Um, so in the end, Jesus says that the only people that might be excluded are the ones that are excluding themselves, that are refusing in themselves to accept the complete grace, forgiveness, and love of the king. So this morning, may we be willing to have our own scorecards torn. And maybe we be willing to take the scorecards that we keep for others and tear them too. Let's pray. Loving God, uh, we thank you that we are accepted by you. And may we over and over remember um, that truth. Um, deep down in the truest selves that we, um, that you have created us to be, um, people that are completely and 100% uh, loved by you. It's from this forgiveness and this grace uh, that we, we go from this place to work, to our families, to our friends, and we love others. You say the greatest uh, commandment is to love God and love others. And may we see that as an extension of the grace that you have given to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.